0: Hi, this is Skip Stewart and this is episode number three of Connecting the Dots podcast. Once again, my name is Skip Stewart, vice president and chief improvement officer for Baptist Memorial Healthcare. Hi,
1: I'm H.F. Mason. I'm a practicing general surgeon and chief medical officer here at Baptist Memorial Hospital, Union County.
2: Hi, I'm Jake Lancaster, an internal medicine physician and chief medical information officer for the Baptist system.
0: Today, we are very honored to be joined by a very good friend, Pascal Dennis, an entrepreneur, award-winning author, and strategy execution leader for 20 plus years. Pascal, if you would, tell us a little bit about your background.
3: Thank you all. It's always a pleasure to work with Baptist and my, 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 my good friend, Skip. I'm a chemical engineer by training. I um, spent the 90s in Toyota manufacturing. In year 2000, I launched uh, Lean Pathways, a coaching and consulting company. A couple of years ago, I launched a digital pathways wherein we try to apply everything I learned at, uh, in the past 20 years to the digital space. And uh, we, we've started in East Asia and financial services, but uh, the pandemic has triggered all sorts of, <laughs> uh, you know, interest in other industries as well. So that's summary
0: of who I am. Well, well, Pascal, as you know, here at Baptist, we have used one of your uh, very, very well-known books. I know you've written many of them, but one of your well-known books for years called Getting the Right Things Done. And so we kind of want to talk today about strategic deployment and alignment, or what uh, some people call in Baptist strategic or tactical A3s, but also I know that you have a new book coming out in December called Harnessing Digital Disruption, How Companies Win with Design Thinking, Agile, and Lean Startup. So if you could, maybe at a 30,000 feet level, can you tell us a little bit about the book, how it relates to strategic deployment, and maybe even some meaning of some of these words? Design thinking, agile, and lean startup.
3: Be happy to, uh, Skip. So, um, harnessing digital disruption is a roadmap for transforming your business when you're in intense uh, change. uh, And happens that the pandemic has just accelerated uh, all the trends that already existed. So, how do you reorient yourself when you're facing exponential technologies? So if you're a bank, you have a payments business that takes two weeks to transfer money, but a financial tech company can do it in one day at one tenth uh, the cost. If you're uh, a major hospital, um, you know, maybe you're facing exponent- exponential technologies with respect to remote service, you know, um, competitors, maybe uh, chatbots, etc., can give good advice in real time to people at their cell phones. And maybe they can even give critical uh, information on chronic illnesses simply by touching their cell phone to, to your arm. So every industry is facing this kind of challenge. And the book is a roadmap. So how do you reorient yourself? How do you redefine your true north? How do you develop your digital strategy and deploy it? So the link to strategy deployment is it's uh, strategy deployment for a digital age, if you will. Uh, the same principles, but accelerated and tweaked for the world of blockchain artificial intelligence, chatbots, drones, and all the rest of it.
0: Wow, that's a lot. So, Doctor uh, <laughs> Mason, I think I'm going to let you kind of start first and ask your question.
1: Pascal, it's just it's it's really great to meet you, and I want you to know I really uh, I really have enjoyed reading your book. And my first question would be, you know, when you were talking, when you were using Atlas Industries as as your example, and they were defining their true north. Is is the true north of an organization, is, is that something that is fixed or should it change from year to year? And with our Baptist management system, we, we have what we call the four rights. You know, We want to provide the right care at the right time, at the right place, at the right cost. And it seems like for us, that would be our true north. And that that is really not changing from year to
3: year. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, uh, Dr. Mason, um, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, When your true north defines who you are and what you believe in, why that uh, lasts for a very long time. Um, So the four rights are a great summary of of who you all are in in the Baptist system. So that I think will be your uh, true north for years to come. But in other organizations, when things change so quickly that they're in danger of going out of business, sometimes you have to reorient and and, and renavigate. You still have your core beliefs and your core values, but maybe your statement of what you focus on changes. So a, a good example of that is um, Toyota, very famous company, maybe the best manufacturing company that's ever been. But now they're facing uh, what, they, what we call um, case, which case meaning connectivity so um uh, challenges from platform companies autonomy people uh, you know may not want to drive car the, drive, the car drives itself uh, electrification and um etc etc so so toyota is facing such intense competition from the uh, uh tech companies that they are reorienting themselves to a new true north and akio Toyota has said it's a life and death struggle for us so toyota still has its core values but now it's shifting to deal with the um challenges coming from uh from from case from lyft from uber from tesla uh, just a simple example um tesla sells less than a tenth of the cars toyota sells but its market cap is higher everybody talks about tesla and toyota's old news so Akio Toyota, the president, realizes we've got to shift our focus, but that's a different situation from Baptist. I, does that make sense?
1: It, it, it makes sense, absolutely. It sure does.
0: Well, one question I did have for you, Pascal, because you know I have thought about this as a, as a Shingo examiner, we uh, will go into companies from time to time before COVID, and uh, one of the things we're looking for is alignment, and the thing that shocked me with surprise is even great companies i mean even amazing companies there was never a situation where we wouldn't find a lack of alignment in certain parts of their strategy we would uh, i'm not i don't want to name anyone but there were some that were very famous and they were very good overall but i remember thinking we would always find sometimes when the work at the front lines that was being done Was not connected at all to the strategic objectives. And so on that, that was, you know, on that note, when I think about some of the dots that are not connected, uh, I tend to think of two different ones and I'm curious on your perspective and what you've seen through the years. I see a macro dot, meaning that the work at the highest level is not ultimately connected to the front level work. You know, I see that dot that doesn't get connected and I'm not saying that's intentionally that just happens sometimes, but then I also see a micro dot that doesn't get connected. Meaning that as they're filling out that strategic or tactical a three, unfortunately, instead of it being a template. To develop their thinking pattern, they look at it as a form to fill out and so as they're going from the left side of gap reflection hypothesis to the right side of those goals and tactics and follow-up, there's a rush to go from left side to right side very quickly. And within that given A3, you can see that the dots are not connected. And so I'm curious, I know you've seen them many, many years over around the world and the work you've done. What do you see most often out of curiosity?
3: What you describe the skip is human nature and with the best of intentions people jump to what they always wanted to do um, so that's the cause of it but the diagnosis and the countermeasure is that we've got to hit the pause button whether we're at the senior level or the front line and we have to ask the core strategic questions uh, the first one is what is your aspiration you know what are we trying to achieve say as an organization and you all have done Uh, a really nice job with the four rights, but other organizations, to your point, don't do not define their aspiration very clearly or they define some words, but they don't have any meaningful metrics or they've got too many metrics. Um, So first question is, what is your aspiration? That's job one. Uh, The second is, uh, where will you play? In other words, what are you going to focus on? So Baptist has decided we will play in the four rights. That's good but other organizations are all over the place. Maybe they've got 20, 30, 40 quote unquote focus areas and it means they have no focus areas. So what's your aspiration? Where will you play? Next, what is your winning logic? And that's a hard, hard question because it's almost like chess. You've got to read the chessboard. So if it's hospital, we have to read the chessboard, not just in our hospital, what care lines, what technologies, what specialities, what modalities, but our community as well. What's our competitive condition? Um, you know, uh, what's the nature of our population? What are the morbidities, et cetera? So you've got to be able to read that chessboard and then boil your strategy down into a winning logic, and that means saying no to a lot of things. <laughs> you know, we're going to do these four things. That's really hard to do, and that's one of the causes of misalignment from the top level to the front level. So. Uh, At the top level, we just got too many, too many uh, activities and the frontline doesn't know what to focus on, you know, now at the frontline, what you describe is really has the same root cause. I know what I want to do, and I'm just going to fill this form in so that, you know, it validates what I always wanted to do anyhow, as opposed to asking, what's our aspiration here? So let's say, um, I don't know where, uh, you know, our focus is falls in our ward. And and I want to do a whole bunch of things about falls. I have to stop and say, so what's my winning logic? I have to dig in and see what's causing the falls, what's really causing the falls. That's Pareto analyses by time of day, by age, by kind of illness, by season, all the things that might affect our fall rate. And then define a winning logic and and run it as a hypothesis and do a a bunch of tests early on. And if I'm wrong, I've got to be able to to change it. So you know what? We thought that the real key was, you know, um, uh, the, the nature of our floors. But it turns out it's something else that's causing the falls or the sepsis or whatever we're focusing on. So what's your aspiration? Where will you play? What's your winning logic? The last two questions just for completeness are... What management systems do we need to build and what capabilities do we need to build? So each A3 has to answer those five questions, and that's hard. You know, in human nature, we, we want to get to the work. We're passionate about it. I just know that's the answer. But sometimes we jump in the wrong direction.
0: No, that's really good. That's really good. I know you always taught me in the past before Baptist in my uh, former manufacturing life, I think the way you said it always was: strategy is all about what you're going to say no to, you know. And and I remember at the time I was like, oh no, you don't understand me. I can focus on a lot of things, and you're like, no, you can't. (laughs) So uh, that was a valuable lesson. I'll let I'll let the I'll let our physicians ask a couple questions.
2: Yeah, I I definitely want to continue down this line. Um, you know, that's one of the one of the. Frustrating things and exciting things at the same time. Working in healthcare and healthcare administration is that there are thousands of processes and almost none of them are optimized. Um, and so, finding which process that you need to optimize is really some of the part of the frustrating part is just how do you know which thing to work on? And we do have the the four rides, and so those help kind of set the foundation for where to go. But those. They're not specific for what you need to work on on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, how does the senior-level management uh, within those four rights come up with the specific objectives for what the organization should do? Is there a, a good process for how that is done?
3: You know, every every good hospital will have a few hundred metrics. Um, through knowledge, through experimentation, we uh, identify, for for example, for each of the rights as we understand our chessboard, if I can use that metaphor again, as we get to understand our chessboard, we learn that there are a few that are critical. And every industry has a few. We call these the thin edge of the wedge. Uh, For example, in home building, the thin edge of the wedge is um, overall lead time, the time between me and my family ordering the house and us sitting in our living room and the, the builder getting paid so in that industry if you can if you can control lead time everything else will follow uh in healthcare an example of of uh of uh, thin edge of the wedges are some safety measures so if we can control and reduce our incident rate, here our or clabsies or falls or mismedications it means that our processes are really strong so you usually that means cost is really going to improve and length of stay is really going to improve so we want to boil down the 100 metrics, which you know, we have to back often because of legislation, but we want to boil those down to the critical few. And, and that's, um, that's what goes on our dashboard. It's similar to, say, football. I mean, a great football coach, you know, a Nick Saban or somebody like that can articulate, And we need to do these three things. Got to hold on to the football, got to have a great running game and whatever. So it's the same kind of thinking, and now, Mississippi State too. Yes, I, I know we got Ole Miss uh, fans there. We had a lot of fun actually with, I, I had teams do strategies. Okay, you guys are Ole Miss, you guys are whatever, Auburn or, yeah. or uh, Crimson Tide. How are you going to beat them? But I did, I did want to say just one last thing. So that's how you focus uh, and, and lean down your metrics. You got to do the same sort of thing with activities. And one of the things we find really helpful is to have, uh, call it an innovation funnel or a project funnel and break that down into, uh, what we call them swim lanes. So let's say you've got, uh, you know, A, B and C projects. Let's say it's an IT team. The A projects are new projects, new functionality, new apps. The B projects might be maintenance projects that sustain your existing uh, system. And C might be, you know, what the heck? things we just want to try. So now you've got three sub swim lanes and you can put some capacity limits on those based on your capacity. And now if something's a good idea, you can put it on the, the parking lot or in the starting gate, as we say, but you do not start it unless you've got an opening in your in your project management funnel that's really, really important. Otherwise, it turns to cement. I'll just give you a very quick story. We we have a major um, uh, client in in Bangkok, in Thailand, uh, biggest hospital in Bangkok. So I think they're about as big as you all are, or as big as uh, a Memphis might be, something like 1200 beds or something. Anyhow, um, their bottleneck is IT, as it is in many hospitals. And we had the senior team and I'm teaching them the fundamentals of uh, of this stuff of strategy and of f- focusing and the project funnel and And they said no 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 we do not overburden our IT team no they, they've got plenty of capacity so what I had to do was I asked them to write each project that they're doing on a sticky note and come back after lunch and stand up in front of the class and show what the current uh, project loading was well 10 of them came, each of them had um, uh, a big uh, flip chart and each flip chart had 40 or 50 sticky notes on it. So they had a whip, a work in process of something like 500 IT projects. And that was just killing them. Does that make sense? So these are all techniques that we can use to slim down our metrics and slim down our our improvement pipeline. Pascal, as as we take our, strategic
1: A3s at the corporate level, and we cascade things down through each entity. For instance, here at in New Albany, we have, we have um, strategic A3s based on the four rights. At, at what level do you transition those to cada projects? For instance, our nursing department, our, our, our chief nursing officer, she may have a tactical A3 at her level, but when we get down to the units, let, let's say the the different floors, do they should they be creating their own tactical A threes, or is that more? Should they be
3: focusing more on kata projects? Does that question make sense? Yeah, it's um, a really good question, Doctor Mason. I mean, use your own good judgment. As a general rule, I would say the front line should be focusing on problem solving. You know, you do not want to have too many A3s, and, and I'm sure, you know, Skip and his team will emphasize that. So at the front line, let's say our focus is reducing safety incidents. And the hot spot for us, let's say where I see you, the hot spot is cowdies or Clabsies or some kind of centerline infection. You probably don't need a tactical A3 there. What you do need though is a Kata team that's doing a deep dive and getting to the root cause it's and and then pulling in countermeasures whether it's TWI or or um you know some kind of equipment improvement so use your good judgment as a general rule less is more and i like to see frontline teams get right to the work and that's a great innovation that uh, skip and brad parson's ha- have uh, introduced at baptist so good on you i've seen the other other way you know, people go the other way and everything is an a3 and that's that's not the point the point is to get results. It's not to write a 3. So.
0: Sure. Sure. <laughs> okay. Well, I, th- I think that's really good input. What you just said there, because, you know, um, you, know you know, Pascal, 1 of the things I think magical is the iteration, right? It, it's the iteration process. That becomes magical, you know, whether it be the monthly 1 done at the strategic level in an entity, or whether it be the weekly 1 done in a department. You know, and I remember Brad, before he moved from NEA to Memphis, they got their weekly ones at the department done on every single shift. And then, you know, obviously, depending on whether you're doing Kata or A3 or, you know, some of that work may end up being daily. But I I think it always goes back to that strategy mindset of it's what all are you going to say no to? Because what are you going to take deep focus on and really... Leverage that, you know, and you see that really in in great strategies. and then, you know, another thing that you didn't speak to Pascal, but you always encouraged us to do was. Not only did you have all those iterations of monthly, weekly. uh, Daily, depending on where what level you are in the organization, but. There was a time in the year when you hit pause. And you look at your reflection and I remember 1 year I was doing that with 1 of our hospitals. And I asked him, I said, knowing what you know now, six months in, would you have developed your strategies uh, and your gaps, the gaps that you're wanting to shut in your strategic a 3s would they have looked different? What was amazing to me, there wasn't even a blink of an eye. It was yes, 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 yes across the board. And I think that reflection, I think it's valuable to capture that, right? Uh, that's value to capture that. and. And the other thing that I would say that I've been really proud of some teams that have started doing it and. Is uh, our year starts October 1, and, you know, even right that we're getting ready to start that we're recording this right now and this will come out in October, but. We start October 1 and uh, the message I've attempted to communicate is that you want to hit that 1st quarter running because we have major obstacles in our 1st quarter. They're called Thanksgiving christmas and in this part of the country hunting season and so (laughs) those are all in our way of and so if you don't then you come out the second quarter and you're down and but one of the things that we started doing is what some people have called 90 days to launch so in june they start going through multiple iterations of reflection and reviewing and by the time they hit october 1 Those strategic and tactical A3s have been refined, polished, uh, and anyway, that's been really a lot of the encouragement and guidance we've even taken from you over the years, Pascal.
3: That's a a really good practice. So um, to to your point, Skip, so it's good if we can hit the pause button before October the 1st and have that kind of uh, refinement reflection uh, just like a, a great football team will have, uh, you know, after every game, after, you know, I'm sure midpoint during the season year, year end, they'll reflect on what worked, what didn't work in preparation for next season. And that's just good management. You know, um, the, the reflection is, is important because what we're doing here effectively is empirical science. You know, it's kind of rough and ready science. It's not pure science and uh there are so many uncertainties that we do need to check in frequently and say well we we tried this new process uh regarding centerline insertion did it work or not we don't know uh you know maybe the process is good but the implementation wasn't good or maybe the process and the implementation is good but the stuff we're getting from uh you know surgical instrument decontamination is contaminated because we somebody went on vacation who knows right so we have to run experiments with humility and say, you know, let's run the experiment, let's see what happens and let's adjust. And the spirit is, look, we know we've got really good people, but there are so many unknowns in a process, in a hospital that we have to run these experiments to validate and continue to validate. And that's just how life in a hospital is or life in in, in football or most endeavors. Now, other industries are, are not as good at doing what you just described, what we're finding now in the tech industry, you know, as we work with banks, insurance companies and uh, so-called fintechs is they are not good at um, this kind of reflection because they're really, really smart. They they know what they want to do. They know the root cause and they jump to a countermeasure, which is wrong, but they don't know how to check. So they just keep doing it. You know, so, you know, it's just human nature. Uh, so you have to do what you're what you're talking about.
2: A little bit about your your new book, harnessing digital disruption. You you spoke earlier about how important it was, um, especially early in the pandemic, for for tech companies. And you know, I work a lot with our technology side, our IT side, and uh, we have a very traditional life cycle for new software releases. You know, it follows the traditional um, uh, software development lifecycle. And and in the title of your book, in Agile, which I, I take it is. Uh, uh, reference to agile programming, and which is something we don't do here, but we did do that uh, a little bit at Vanderbilt when I was working there at, at their uh, health IT shop. Um, you know, going from the traditional waterfall, uh, software development lifecycle, and I'll, I'll let you explain these terms if you'd like to, to agile with more of that paired programming and rapid uh, iterations and and testing. Um, along with development at the same time, and that that would be a big change for an organization like Baptist. How how could an organization move from the traditional way to that more agile way, which would have really made a big difference early for us in the pandemic, where you know instead of getting these new changes out quickly, w- which we did, but we did it by rushing the traditional life cycle instead of moving to that more
3: agile framework. Oh, well, it's a great question. Uh, uh, Dr. Lancaster. So, uh, the fundamentals of um, of agile uh, are similar to those of Lean. The idea basically is you want to break things down into smaller and smaller uh, batch sizes, and uh, thereby you reduce your overall lead time. So, in more conventional software development, uh, the the process is let's define the specs, and that takes you know X number of weeks. Let's define the specs. Okay. Now let's build. And that takes X number of weeks. Okay. And now let's test. Well, when you apportion things in such big batches, your lead time is going to be long. So maybe the entire lead time for designing that app might be three or four or five months. In that time, you know, things might have changed. So the app doesn't Meet the original purpose, or you may find a defect, a major defect, a major bug, etc. But it's you know uh, three, four, five months down the line, it's too it's too late, you know. So instead, what we want to do is do those steps, uh, specs, build, tests in very very small increments. So you want to do, ideally, daily build a spec, build test, spec, build test. Now, how do you do that? You've got to use what we call agile governance. That means very similar to what you all do in strategy. We're going to stand up as a team, we're going to look at our project backlog. We're going to look at our burn rate. We're going to look at the blockers. And you use uh, a board that looks very, very similar to say a quick and easy improvement board. So to do so, so ideas, to do, doing done. And each of those sticky notes represents um, an element of an app. And you, as a team, you move from left to right, and if there's a blocker, you highlight it. And as in good project management, you limit the amount of work and process, because if you don't, the thing is gonna turn to cement, and you have regular reflection. Um, you know, uh, Reflection is built into agile, just like it's built into um, a strategy deployment. So you wanna work in an agile way, small batches, rapid uh, uh, building and testing cycles, just share the learning laterally now that's a big change but it's even more now the, the the challenge is actually becoming deeper now because one of the major healthcare trends as you know is uh, care beyond the clinic and it and, and as, as we know it it's a big deal in asia so what that means is the service goes to the the cell phone the smartphone of the patient now it's not just about coding and the app, it's also about the design. So, the interface, the colors, uh, uh, the fields. So, you've got to pull in design thinking. So, the the, the book that uh, we've written suggests that you've got to be good at design. So, design thinking. You've got to be good at agile. So, agile development. And the third question is, you've got to design all this in a way that you can actually make money, that it's uh, a sustainable kind of a product. And that's where we pull in lean startup. So our core algorithm in the book is does it? Wow. <laughs> so does the app? Wow. For example, whoa, this I'm a diabetic and this app allows me to do da to treat my chronic disease. Wow. That's fantastic. The second is, does it work or does it crash every time? <laughs> and the third is, can we, the health tech provider, the hospital design, develop, deploy the service, the SAP in a way that, you know, is financially sustainable. So does it wow, does it work, can we make money? And those correspond to design thinking, agile and lean startup. I know I've thrown a lot at you, I've had a lot of interviews lately, so I've <laughs> I hope that makes sense.
2: No, that was great, thank you.
1: Pascal, I, I have a question about alignment. As chief medical officer, one of my, one of my main duties is physician relations and physician engagement and physician alignment and in in an organization where everybody works for the organization alignment while difficult it's not as difficult as in a big hospital system where the vast majority of our providers don't work for baddest and i was just wondering do you have any any strategy or any advice about how how to to get alignment with such a a large medical staff who are a big, big, huge part of the equation, but whose checks aren't getting signed by by Baptists,
3: if that makes sense. That's really an excellent question, and it turns out that's it's one that, that has arisen in a number of industries that we've worked with uh, over the years. As in um, healthcare, uh, the construction industry depends Almost entirely on subcontractors, so basically a building company is uh, is a pipeline, with where you shove a whole bunch of money in at the beginning, and, and homes, and hopefully profits come out at the other end. But the pipeline is made of subcontractors, you know, people that do the flooring and the HVAC and the roofing and plumbing and the carpentry, et cetera, et cetera. So um, the best um, answer to the question is how do you align a value stream, a care line that comprises uh, subcontractors or specialists in various services. Um, it, it's a, a company in Florida, and uh, they're they're great marketers. So they came up with this name. but They call it Legendary Partnering, and the idea is they invite all their um, the subcontractors, their partners in, and share the vision for the organization. This is what we're trying to achieve. They, they, they first of all you know, get some buy-in, they break bread together, they um, try to get some shared understanding and buy into the overall vision. And then they make it um, really appealing for the providers to work with them. So for example, they say things like, um, you know I want all your plumbing hours for 2021 and I'll pay top dollar. In return, you've got to give us your best people and you've got to give us a turnaround time of X or of Y. So there's a quid pro quo. So you become the perf- preferred customer because you treat people with respect. You involve them in your overall vision. And, and you know, and especially in healthcare, people have big hearts and they want to be part of something bigger. So you create that s- sense of shared purpose and you support it by giving them what they need. They need, you know, um, you know, uh Dependable uh, revenues they need to be treated with respect. they need a bunch of other things to enable their clinics, their practices, their specialties to do their work. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but I've seen that work so well in in construction. I wonder whether uh, it might also work in, in healthcare. Does, does that make no, sense? No, that, that makes great sense. and I can
1: imagine a company a company like Toyota has to do that with their with their suppliers, you know their tier one, tier two, whatever
3: whatever suppliers. Yes, that does. That yeah, uh, it, at uh, Toyota, uh, they call it respect for people. And uh, it, the same thing, it, 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 people end up being very proud to work for Toyota. And my sense is that Baptist is, is so well-respected and your senior leaders have such integrity that your suppliers probably feel the same way. Like, I would want to work, you know, with, say, Dr. DePriest or, 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 or Jason or, you know, the, the people that I've been lucky enough to meet. So it's something to consider, I think. Thank you.
0: Well, Pascal, uh, I could uh, literally uh, talk for hours with you, and I, I know that we've we have talked for hours and eaten some really good food in Memphis at uh, many times. And and I just want to thank you so much for your wisdom and and uh, discernment, and so much you've taught me. And thank you for uh, spending time. Uh, and uh, and you know, I, I'll kind of. End with a famous Pascal quote that he always told me when I would get impatient, you would say, just remember, drip, drip, drip. So it it takes some time sometimes, but I just want to personally say thank you, my friend.
3: It's always a pleasure, uh, Skip, to spend time with you. Dr. Mason at the Lancaster, good luck with all your activities. Uh, Really proud of how you all are are handling the pandemic. And and Skip keeps me uh, apprised, and it sounds like uh, you're doing just great. So please continue.
0: Thanks, a, thank lot. You Thanks very, a lot. Thank you very much. Take care, all. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.